They too learned how to separate the gross from the subtle in themselves, and to distinguish between the elementated matter of this world and the prima materia, the root substance of life. And though they spoke of the latter as infused grace and lumen glorious, we still recognize in these terms a reference to the one element whose purity invoked and imbibed into their organisms, transmuting not merely their minds, passions, and emotions, but even their physical flesh cells and tissues. Once more from the edge of the void, I'm Michael Prima. And I'm Daniel Prima. And this is Materia Prima. not just where things are it's also where they aren't like that feeling when you hear that monarch butterflies may become extinct and you start to fear that you're not seeing as many of them as you did when you were a kid it's kind of funny but since we started talking about it i can't help but see these things everywhere and nowhere. Before we get into that, I think it's important that we explain who we are and what we're doing. So I'll start. I'm Michael Prima, and as far back as I can remember, I've been fascinated by objects. Art objects, ancient objects, ordinary objects. So much so that I spent over $150,000 on an education in art history just to understand better where objects come from and their origins. This obsession with origins has led to a career in intelligence and cybersecurity, but I still always come back to objects, where they're from, who made them, and just where and why were they created. 
I'm Daniel Prima. For much of my life, I've been preoccupied with behavior, interrelationships between organisms, culture. Professionally, I've explored this through managing ecosystems, urban planning, and crafting human habitats. Personally, however, I've journeyed to catalog and understand the more transgressive and clandestine elements of human behavior. Forces like ritualism, power structures, and occult subcultures. Understanding, mapping, and tracking these elements has led me to question my understanding of the human behavioral spectrum and our place in it. Here at Materia Prima, we're going to be telling stories. Now, there are a lot of people out there telling stories, whether it be TV, film, or radio. But we're seeking to find something a little more pure. Stories are so much more than what happened. They're a process, a ritual, a concoction of memory, perception, expectation. We're seeking to tell strange stories and distill them down into their fundamental substances. These substances are found everywhere, but they tend to be easier to find in those places where strangeness bubbles to the surface, in those fringes and disconnected liminalities, when people pull back from society, when people find themselves forced to choose what they're going to manifest. the time has come for us to enter the void and start with our first story. Fittingly, I think we should start with Materia Prima. Where did this start? Alchemy developed in Greco-Roman Egypt based off the foundations of Greek philosophy. Even at this early point, it contained Materia Prima as a central tenet. This was the base matter, or the fundamental substance, sort of the core material that everything was built off of. Each alchemist had their own recipe for how to get to this fundamental substance. So this was like the bush beans of ancient alchemists. They had the purest form of matter from which they could make a combination for what purpose? Why were they creating this materia prima substance? So here's where it sort of gets exciting. And here's what I have to believe was what they must have put on the poster when they were recruiting to the school of alchemy. The idea of creating the philosopher's stone. This is something that's bled over into popular culture, something that probably everybody has heard of. So if you think about an alchemical obscure concept developed in a mystery school back in Greco-Roman Egypt, currently being talked about in popular culture, uh, it's obviously a concept that fills a certain wonderment in the human mind. You're basically describing Egyptian Hogwarts that a bunch of Greek philosophers got together at and started to write down the theory 
of a perfect substance, this thing that gave you life, the Philosopher's Stone? I mean, I'm basing this purely on Harry Potter. So There was a lot of different features to the Philosopher's Stone. This was also a little bit specific to the alchemist, but the stone itself was said to be able to transmutate substances into more refined and valuable substances. The idea of being able to turn lead into gold. Also, many related stories talking about its ability to impart immortality, youth, and all of these unattainable concepts. At a certain point, it becomes a hard thing to describe, but that hasn't discouraged many people from trying. The 19th century hermeticist Marion Atwood uses words attributed to Arnaldus de Villanova to describe the role of materia prima in the fundamental theory of alchemy as this, that there abides in nature a certain pure matter, which, being discovered and brought by art to perfection, converts to itself proportionally all imperfect bodies that it touches. One of the interesting things in this quote is when it talks about a pure matter, which being discovered and brought by art to perfection. So there's two essential steps in there that become tenets in alchemy, the discovery of these materials and the art of bringing them to perfection. This can be seen in the other face of alchemy, the alchemist at the kiln, exploring processes of materiality, metallurgy, forging, and protochemistry. I feel like this is so much of what we've been talking about. It seems like this materia prima is everything and nothing, an undefinable substance that's just right at the edges of your vision at all times. It really does lend itself to being viewed as absolutely everything. And I think the message to take out of that is that it's not a thing. It's an element of all things. It's a collective great work. And I think that our attempt here would be to contribute in some small way to that narrative. I also think that the earlier definitions of this aren't as relevant as more modern interpretations, and I'm curious what you found on that. So as I started to look at the concept of materia prima in modern times, I really wanted to find the person or the scientist that debunked it. Like, how could such a fantastical idea of alchemy and a pure substance exist in the sunlight of modern reason and scientific method. What I found was I was totally wrong. There wasn't a scientist that came along and debunked this. This actually went on to become the foundation of a lot of modern psychology, specifically the works of Carl Jung. The first place that I found Carl Jung in modern philosophy was his Red Book, in looking at that work, I kind of realized in the way that herbalism and witchcraft became the foundations of modern medicine after enough time, alchemy was that for psychology. During his formative years, he was writing this thing called the Red Book, and it was a time in his life where he was grappling with themes of mysticism and creativity and death at a time where he self-described himself as having bouts of psychosis and being menaced by a lack of clarity. He was literally having a mental breakdown. For 15 years, he recorded illuminated manuscripts, drawings that represent an entirely unseen cosmology from the inner parts of his mind. And when he came out of this, he basically invented the concept 
or manifested the concept of the unconscious in the human experience. I think Zhang found his opus in this idea of linking hermeticism with modern psychology, and I don't think that he set out with that as an intention. Through his pursuits, he saw that alchemy and those hermetic concepts had already created a framework that was totally analogous to those inner worlds that he was mapping for the first time. He was sort of an alchemist before discovering alchemy. Absolutely. Years later, after he had recorded parts of his red book, he gave a lecture, and in that lecture on psychology, he offered a definition of materia prima. What he says is materia prima is really a projection of the unconscious, as we saw clearly in many of the definitions for the Middle Ages, as well as antiquity. They saw the unconscious in nature. We could define the unconscious as a psychical existence in ourselves of which we are unconscious. And he goes even further, and he says the basis of the opus in alchemy, this concept of the philosopher's stone or a pure substance, the prima materia is one of the most famous secrets of alchemy. This is hardly surprising since it represents the unknown substance that carries the projection of the autonomous psychic content. So to put that another way, Jung is saying that materia prima is not a substance. It's a vessel. It's whatever is capable of carrying the unconscious mind into the real world. By now, you're probably wondering, what do we have prepared for you in Season 1 of Materia Prima? This is a story that found us. A story about a hill in the woods of New Hampshire, in a town called Salem. Not that Salem, but maybe weirder. From H.P. Lovecraft to William Shatner and Leonard Nimoy, others have come and told stories of its unusual magnetism and unsettling features. A site some have claimed to be an ancient sacrificial altar, dedicated to a pagan god, Baal. Others see it as evidence of a previously undocumented pre-Columbian civilization in North America. The collective weight of these myths boiled over in the fall of 2019, leading to the site's targeting by domestic terrorists. In Season 1, we will explore the vandalism at Mystery Hill, New Hampshire, and uncover persistent rumors, hushed whispers of anti-Masonic conspiracies, related arsons, late-night pagan rituals, and a strange relic found at the site the same night of the attacks, a three-foot wooden cross 
hanging from a tree covered in cryptic drawings and photographs of young men and boys who are rumored to be dead. Join us on a journey into the void. Season 1, Mystery Hill.